So, welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Richard Shuping, whom I have promised on two previous occasions was going to be next week's guest, but finally he's this week's guest. Uh, so, welcome, Richard. Good to have you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. And um, I found out about Richard because he was watching one of one or more of the shows we've been doing and got in touch with me and said, hey, would you like to interview me? And so I checked out his website a little bit, and it looks like he has a very interesting story, which I think you're going to, all going to find fascinating. Um, he's also written a book. Um, and what's the title of your book again? From Suffering to Soaring, Through God I Transcended AIDS. So From Suffering to Soaring, Through God I Transcended AIDS. Um, and uh, I was just looking, a few minutes ago, I was looking at the feedback you had gotten on your book, and people you know, people were really appreciative of it. Um, you know, they say you're a very good writer, and people were moved to tears repeatedly while reading it and so on. So uh, maybe I'll read it myself. Sounds very good, and I'm sure many, many of our guests will be interested. So uh, you told me earlier that, um, you know, you had AIDS and that you had an, a spiritual awakening as a result of which uh, you no longer had AIDS. Is that correct? That's right. Um, it just left my reality. Huh. At one moment it was there, and I was dying, and I was suffering, and the next, mm -hmm. gone. So let me ask a very mundane, skeptical question to just get this out of the way. Uh, did you have it sort of medically confirmed that you definitely did have AIDS, and have you had it medically confirmed that you now definitely don't have AIDS, you know, by the traditional, down-to-earth, regular doctors? Yeah, I was under allopathic care. Uh, took the uh, prescribed cocktail medications for AIDS, uh -huh. told many times I was going to pass, mm -hmm. had the double pneumonia, had cancer. You know, um, pretty much my body was just breaking down at a very rapid rate. Mm -hmm. But to answer the second part of the question, I have no desire, nothing inspires me to look further into it now. You know, it's just uh, I listen to my body in this moment, I respond to my body in this moment, and that's the depth that I go with the story. Are you taking any medications? No. Okay, and how long has it been since you've had any kind of met symptoms or complications that would be attributed to AIDS? Um, I had double pneumonia in 2007, and I was hospitalized, signed papers, said, you know, you're not going to make it, blah, blah, blah. I was out in five days. Lungs healed in about three months, and um, you know, ever since then, my body has just become more and more vital. Hmm. So it's been about three years then since you've had anything that would be symptomatic of AIDS. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, so uh, let's get to the the backstory. I mean, um, you know, had you always been a spiritual person, or did getting sick kind of uh, scare the bejesus out of you and <laughs> make you a spiritual person? And you know, what happened? How, how did this all come about? You know, I always had pretty good connection with some inner qualities, uh -huh. you know, natural compassion, laughter, funny, love my family, love my friends, you know, wrote music, sang before I could talk. Um, I basically just at a young age and continually began to carry the burdens of the world. Mm. You know, what I thought were the burdens of the world. You know, I kind of came in, this big golden angel with a sword, and I'm going to save the world, <laughs> you know. And, 
And I thought I was trying to, but, um, you know, life just continually started to slow me down mm -hmm. until I got to a point of pure exhaustion huh. where I stopped looking, seeking, because I didn't have a choice. I was going to die. So yeah. I, what is going on? Why am I going to die? And so I wasn't really on any type of spiritual quest. I just, um, like you said, I became so ill that I had to start paying attention to my own reality or I was going to lose my body. Huh. As John Lennon put it, life, <laughs> life is what happens while we're busy making other plans. Um, yeah. So, But when you say you came in with a golden sword ready to save the world and, and you had that attitude from a young age, I mean, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, for instance, when you were 10 years old and you, you said you were feeling the weight of the world, um, yes. were you like feeling... Oh, oh my God! There's all these wars taking place, and people are starving, and all these yeah. diseases. You were you were kind of acutely aware of all that stuff, yeah. Even as um, a child. Oh yeah, much more as a child. I actually, it almost it was like I didn't have an emotional skin, mm -hmm. like I didn't have anything to guard me. Mm -hmm. So I felt everything. You know, if people yelled, I would cry. Yeah. You know, if I saw something on the the news and bombs going off and some war, I would cry. I mean, it wasn't. I, it would just happen. And one day my mom sat me down when I was 10 and basically said, unless you build a shell, you're not going to survive this earth. Interesting. Yeah. Did you feel, um, did you mainly feel the pain of the world when you saw it through the media or in, in, in your environment, people suffering? Or did you even feel like if you were sitting alone in your room, not watching TV or anything, could you somehow feel all that pain out there in, in, the, in, the, you know, in the vast big world and it was sort of impinging on you even in that quiet privacy no no i i was in my own world completely uh -huh. if anything i felt like i was kind of like behind a little thin veil of plexiglass huh. you know just kind of watching it all so when i wasn't paying attention to it i was fine i daydream i play in my room get in my closet read comic books right it's just when i went out into it i always felt like an alien like all my poetry was like i'm the blue the blue being and all the pink, pink people are running around the planet huh. You, was that you, did you write poetry as a child? Uh, yeah, and especially uh, in my 20s, I just started writing hundreds of poems every month. Wow. You know, so yeah. I began to kind of uh, purge and heal on levels I wasn't even aware of. Huh. And what, have you published any of that? Um, I attempted to, but because I was always singing in bands, right. I used a lot lyrically. And... Um, Again, I would write a poem, and it would just be for me in that moment. Right. You know, and then I suddenly had a stack of poetry like this, mm. and then I lost it. And, you know, I lost every, I've lost everything I've owned a few times, so yeah. it helps you not be attached. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. Um, and you, uh, when did you get into music? Um, I was singing before I could talk. My dad was a professional jazz piano player. Oh. And he had a quartet and a symphony, and I'd get up and sing on stage with him. Cool. And there's always music in our house. And so I got in my first um, band when I was uh, like in eighth grade, uh -huh. and you know, kept being in different progressive bands, different stylistic bands. And yeah. So I can I have always expressed musically. It's just always pertained to my state of consciousness. Right. And I see you have a keyboard in the background there. So you're a keyboard player in addition to a singer. Yeah, I would say I'm predominantly, you know, a keyboard by technical means. Uh -huh. I write through all instrumentation when I program music. Hmm. Good. Um, 
will be, and you've got some CDs out, I think, right? I do. I have a, this song we sang is for sale, and I have a new one, Be Here Now. Uh-huh. I've just been giving it away at this point. Uh-huh. Um, so as as usual, you know, after the interview, when we have a thing up on the BatGap website, we'll we'll link to your songs and your website and all that stuff. Your YouTube, you have some YouTube videos. We'll link to all that for the benefit of people listening. So, um, uh, alrighty. So, um, pre you may have just said this, but pre AIDS, pre getting sick, did you have a spiritual practice or path, or were you reading spiritual books, or you were just enjoying life? I was just enjoying life. All right. Uh, you know, the life would bring me books here and there, and I'd read it or maybe a chapter of it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times I just kind of pick up a book and kind of just you know go, oh, that's a cool book, and I wouldn't even read it. Yeah. You know, almost like I, it didn't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was doing it. Right. And did yeah. you um, when you when you got sick? I mean, how much do you want to dwell on the whole sickness phase? I imagine you talk about it in your book. Getting can yeah. getting cancer and going through all this stuff, um, right. you know, what aspect of all that do you feel would be worth mentioning in this interview, or do you want to just sort of get right on to having come out of it, <laughs> whatever you feel? Well, I mean, we're here now in this moment spontaneously. You know, I mean, basically we're more. We are more than AIDS. Right. That's the simplest message. I'm just one tiny expression of life that came through AIDS and cancer, mm-hmm. and shows you there's another journey you can take when dealing with it. Right. You don't have to use your body and you can actually realize more of yourself mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. Once you, once you let it happen. Just So in other so, words you're saying that if you approach it in the right way or or deal with it in the right way, uh, it can actually be <clears throat> a, an evolutionary process. Is that what yes. you're saying? Right. Yeah. But through gratitude the grace will reveal itself. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I mean, there are all kinds of um, accounts of people having spontaneous remissions from cancer and from various serious diseases, uh, right. n- not always by virtue of some spiritual awakening, but these things right. these things do happen, so it's not unheard of. Um, no. Since you had this experience yourself, did you investigate a little bit and become more aware of, uh, you know, how widespread this kind of thing may actually be? Yeah, AIDS became my reality a long time ago. I lost I lost three lovers over nine years, mm-hmm. and each one died of AIDS. Right. And so I was involved in all of that. Every bit of it was an education. Right. And so when my own suffering began, um, I did nothing but exhaustive research into every vein of existence, trying to find, you know, how am I going to survive? Right. Yeah. And so, when you did finally have this spiritual awakening, uh, was it by virtue, do you think, of all this research and, and, and investigation you had been doing, or did it just kind of hit you like a, out of the blue, just uh, one morning you, you woke up to it? Well, there was, as my mind calmed, there was just a slow awareness of being more present, hmm. you know? But the actual shift which was a literal shift and a loud, silent explosion. It's probably the best way I can explain it. just happened. Why did, I, why did your mind calm? Why was your mind getting more calm? Well, I had started to realize I had all these personalities in my head. Yeah. There was the nurse, there was the savior, there was a student, there was a philosopher, the brother, blah, blah, blah. And they were all arguing amongst themselves, and they were all attached into different stories in the world. I was insane. 
Huh. And so once I started to absolve you that, and seven billion other people, by the way. Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of it's, well, know thyself. Yeah, you know, you're in the world. And so once I started to understand these personalities, how they had been created, I forgive them. I realized it was about self-love, and that mm -hmm. the world was just you know showing me what I believed myself to be. My mind began to calm more and more. And it's just like if you're standing in front of a hundred mirrors and your attention is looking at every mirror, you forget that you're actually standing before the mirrors. So as all these reflections start to unify, and now it's just you looking in a mirror, you become self-conscious that you're looking in a mirror, and that's when you wake up. Interesting. There's a verse from the Gita that just came to mind when you said that. It's, it's something like, um, many branched and endlessly diverse are the intellects of the irresolute, but the resolute intellect is one-pointed. That's, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, much, I'm a much more simple way of explaining it. That's <laughs> quite and lovely, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, and so this didn't happen through actually any kind of spiritual meditative practice. It just happened sort of through uh, the inside. You just be kind of looked within, as it were, and, and began to sort of see what was going on and, and enabled your, and just, you went through a kind of a self-simplification process through a sort of introspection. Could you say that? Would that be correct? I would. I was doing Vipassana. My brother had showed me that. Okay. And for some reason, out of all the other things that I had read, it just seemed so natural. Mm -hmm. So I just sat there and became aware. And I realized that my body isn't just a body. It's a reflection of my mind. Right. So if I would be scanning my body and I'd get to, like, my left ribs and they would hurt, it would open up a whole door, and I realized it was this like holographic library system going on. Yeah. And so, like you say, it was the unlearning that you know made me present in myself. Because everything you want to learn, that's your personality. It's learning another thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not your awareness that is watching the personality do this. Mm. So it started to just become an unlearning of what I thought was healing, what I thought was spiritual, what I thought was enlightenment. And that is when my own awareness started to become more present within my experience. Hmm. How uh, rigorous was your Vipassana practice? Were you like practicing an hour a day or some such thing or what? About 45 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. um, but it was quick. You know, I started meditating and then I really started getting self-sensitive within just a couple of months. Yeah. It was just time. You mm -hmm. know, I... I know, I, I felt like, you know, if you want to say this, the veil was really thin because I was so ill, yeah. and I was laying in a bed, and I was on a body cast, and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. It wasn't pushing back. Yeah. It wasn't holding the wall up. For, so really, it, it seemed like the moment I put my attention there, it just happened. Why the body cast? Did you break things? Yeah, this all started because in 2001, I fell down a mountain snowboarding <laughs> here in Michigan. Uh. And, um, you know, it just, my immune system was already destroyed from my mentality. Right. And now I physically crushed myself, broke everything off, and it just put me in bed. Huh. And, you know, I stopped watching television and I started watching my mind. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I instructed a guy in meditation once who was in a body cast. I was, uh, was teaching. TM at a prep school. Pardon? I was in a soft body cast. Oh, this guy was like in a heart. He was like the mummy. And uh, yeah. 
you know, I, I stuck my head in his. I, I was staying in the infirmary at this school because I needed a place to stay while I was teaching this course. I stuck my head in the door and I said, uh, "He said, what are you doing here?'" I said, "I'm teaching meditation. You want to learn?" And he said, "Yeah." <laughs> and uh, so I, I cranked him up a little bit and, and did the whole thing. And uh, you know, it was sort of like somehow the the situation that his life had come to brought him to a state of readiness, you know, and, and uh, turned around his wild and crazy ways and made him a seeker. You know, he had this whole stack of spiritual books on his bedside. So mm-hmm. it, it, it seems that happens to people sometimes. It's like, it, you know, life smacks you around enough, you say, okay, I'm ready, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you've been, you, you, the veil was thin, you were doing Vipassana for a few months, and then you say the veil broke, or you pierced it, or something. Yeah. And what, what, what just, describe that experience, or that, just, that situation. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it, of course, you know, it's a, it's a whole rocket ride, I can look back in retrospect and tell you certain things about it. Let's go into it a little <laughs> bit, we have time, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about it. Well, really what happened is each time I kind of had this inner understanding of, you know, I used to think I was judging the world, and then I realized, wait, I'm just judging myself. Uh-huh. And so once I started to kind of water the seed of myself, if you will, um, that's when that in real nurturing started to happen. When I started to love myself, I realized, wait a minute, nobody else is even here. Mm. You know, Everything is neutral, and I'm overlaying my drama over it, so I don't even experience it. That's that's crazy, and so I just started. Um, it was like it was like a rocket ride. It, it was almost like I was going through layers of space hmm. in my mind. You know, it's I would come to something, and I would forgive myself for being angry in a fifth grade or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and it'd be an expansion. And the more I did that, the more I realized I wasn't the objects in my space. I was the space containing yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, it went from, you know, I, I'd read some things. I hadn't read Advaita or anything like that until after I, quote, unquote, had sort of a big clarity happen. Right. I realized it was very much like that because I started to just wonder, well, who's still aware? Hmm. You know, who's looking at this in my mind right now? You know, somehow the ocean started to become conscious in me, huh. you know, I, yeah. Like the waves back to being the space. I mean, I would even feel like my throat. I could sit there and go, wow, why do I understand what it would be like to have a galaxy in my throat? <laughs> you know, I feel the galaxy. That's insane. Yeah. You know, I, I had like, a, you know, I had an opening in my crown chakra, whatever you want to call it, upper higher light. You know, what I could start to feel it. And it just... The stories just started to go. It was—it's amazing. The moment I was going to step into something, it was gone. You know, I tried to do Reiki. I—you I, um, know—I was doing Hindu chanting, and it's like the moment I was even thinking about letting that become a structure, it would—I would see through. I would—I would realize that I was seeking again, and that's what happened. It just continually happened more and more. I expanded out more and more, and then I kind of went to this void, like there was nothing, and it was petrifying, and it was just like. I can't even explain it. It was just like there was nothing anymore at all. There wasn't, it was almost like there wasn't even awareness. And then I was sitting in my living, my office here on the floor and I wasn't even meditating. I was just kind of sitting in like this space and I, sh- and it was, it was really a discernible shift within. Mm-hmm. And I just started to laugh mm-hmm. because I realized I had been looking for myself the whole time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's, I'm going to, 
kind of rehash some of what you just said and have you elaborate on parts of it because that, that's very fascinating. Um, so first of all, you were saying that it, it always fascinates me when when I meet people who just seem to be on this kind of fast track program of, <laughs> of evolution, and they uh, you know they just have this they'll have an insight and it'll be a breakthrough, and they'll have another insight and it'll be a breakthrough, and it's almost like their whole world kind of shifts every time they they sort of have a, a little bit of a deeper insight. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've had some other friends who are like that too. And you know, I I, I some I, I sometimes feel somewhat envious that my world is not quite so malleable as theirs seems to be. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway, that's fascinating. And then so then what you were saying was <clears throat> you would sort of begin to acquire an interest in a particular thing like Reiki or Hindu chanting, and you just have a taste of it. And you'd see that that wasn't necessary because you had already kind of reached the fulfillment of what that could give you. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. It's almost like, all right, I don't need to do Reiki because I can see where that could possibly lead me, and I'm already there. Let's try the next thing. Yeah, or it was more I was trying to do it to yeah, make myself whole instead of just enjoy it. Uh-huh. And so I didn't want to fall into the pattern again of looking within it for my own wholeness. Right. The beauty is once you have your own self-love and your own sense, you can go back and everything becomes a gift. Right. So, in other words, you can. there would be no harm in your doing Reiki or Hindu chanting or whatever you wanted to do now, but it would be more like icing on the cake. It would be sort of like just a... Uh, an adjunct to yeah. to the sense of to to the awareness of wholeness that you live naturally. It you wouldn't regard it as a technique or path to that wholeness. Is that is that a fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, that's an interesting insight because there are a lot of people who have spiritual awakenings and they begin to poo-poo uh, techniques and practices and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, seeking and the, and the whole deal. Um, and I, I tend to take exception with that because I sort of feel like if, if a person feels motivated to do such a thing uh, and if they feel like they do need to seek, let them seek. And if, yeah. if they reach a point at which they don't feel they need to seek, they won't, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, or if they don't feel they need to practice this or that, they won't. But, you know, if, if somebody wants to be a be a meditator or a chanter or a, a Reiki practitioner or a yoga practitioner or a fundamentalist Christian or whatever whatever floats their boat. I figure that it's a, that's appropriate for their stage of experience or development, whatever that may be, until it's not. You know, until until maybe something else. It's time for them to move on to something else. I mean, would you agree with that? I agree completely. I mean, the ocean teaches us that all the different waves are all working together. They're not all the same size. Right. There, there it is. Yeah, and the, the, it's never going to be that we all become a such and such. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, oh, no, no. we're all not going to march in step with the exact same practices or beliefs or. You know, no, it's white blood cells, red blood cells, yep. hair follicles, DNA. All kinds of stuff. It's the one body. Good. That's well. That's a broad perspective, and I appreciate that. Um, it, uh, and and not all spiritual teachers talk that way. I mean, a, a lot of them have a certain realization, and, and I'm not implying you're a spiritual teacher. I don't know whether you are or not, but um, you know, a lot of people have a certain realization, and they kind of feel like they they kind of get into this one size fits all attitude, uh, you know, where 
meditation is bunk, gurus are bunk, you know, this, there's no such thing as God, there's no such thing as reincarnation because the world's an illusion, and, you know, it's all just, there's no one home, or they, they, they kind of hammer away at a particular way of seeing things, and it, to me it does not do justice to the diversity and intricacy and beauty, beauty and intelligence of life, you know, which is by, you know, quite obviously, if we look around, you know, very rich and and diverse by nature you know it's just the way the universe is and so mm-hmm. it stands to reason that there that the diversity of human beings and hu- and spiritual practices is going to be a natural thing yes yeah i agree okay i'm talking too much i got some feedback after the last interview from this friend of mine who said you talk too much why don't you just let that i know what you think let's keep hearing what they think <laughs> <laughs> my wife often says this too after these when she overhears me doing these things so uh all right so let's dwell more on your experience um you know you, you touched upon some beautiful things I mean, hole opening the top of your head and you know vastness and galaxy in your throat i mean what can you tell us unpack it as much as you possibly can in terms of uh you know, just all the, the beauty, beautiful little flavors of, and stages of, of your awakening. Uh, you know, there weren't any angels, you know. Pardon? Buddha didn't show up in my, there weren't any angels, oh, you know, okay. that didn't show up in my office. <laughs> big lights in the sky, uh-huh. you know. Um, it was really just the the unraveling of my mind, which is what was intense. Yeah. As to at one moment have a certain identity and a concept of yourself, mm. and then to have it instantly change. Mm. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, there were so many times I thought I'd never open my eyes. I did. I thought I was going to go to India and leave everybody and everything. I didn't. I thought I was going to go live in a cave, go to Nepal, go to Fiji. You, you know, because you start to get to these really deep spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. in your mind. And once you start to get to those, you get frightened because you're like, well, if I'm not that, what's left? Mm. And that keeps happening more and more. And it's fast, too, because there's almost like a gravity that occurs. You know, even physics shows us this. You know, once you get over 50%, 100 wants to pull you up to the next one. Mm. We're not really growing. We're being called up in vibration, mm. you know, through through light, you know, which is how I kind of started to experience everything as, as light and presence because... It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that is what was so shocking. You know, I used to think I had all these big hangups about being a gay man. Mm-hmm. Huge hangups. So it's like, I can't be a, I can't be the next Christ being a gay man, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And once I forgave myself for that and I got out of that story, I could see that I was love expressing mm-hmm. now as a male human body. Mm-hmm. And so those are the th- things that happen. And then you, and, and as I kept going out more and more, I became lighter. I began to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like I said, it was, I realized I had to own everything to arrive at the present. And then I could just throw it all away again. Hmm. And that, because nobody ever stepped in my footsteps, you know, and no matter how much you imagine, there's not something coming in and, ah, and walking for you. Right. You've made every step. So you've created your reality up until this point. But the problem is you disown it. And you wait for somebody to come and heal you, and then you die. Hmm. You know, it's like if you have library books, you check them out, and you have three books, and you give one to a friend, and you give two back to the library, you're going to be fined until that other book comes in. So it's pretty much that simple. And so once I got to the present moment, that is when, when you're 
I was more than the tangle of my mind. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of like when you're in it, holding it and t holding it all together and you're a part of it. But when you observe, when you can observe it, it just starts to naturally disentangle because your energy is holding it together. Because mm -hmm. life wants to flow. And so that's what basically began to happen. I would just observe it more and more neutrally. And when uh, I wouldn't, you know, knee jerk into another attachment, if something came up in my consciousness, I would just observe it. And the more I did that, the more it would just not be anywhere as dramatic as it was before. Mm -hmm. Because again, it wants to just flow because I not, I stopped holding on to things. And that, you know, that's amazing. It's beyond words. You know, because you realize that you wanted to, to know who you are for so long that you just habitually were looking outside of yourself, you know, and you were attaching to everything and every guru and who knows. Mm -hmm. But when you have that center in yourself, when you become aware of it, you don't want to do anything. <laughs> you know, you, you realize you're exactly where you are and it's perfect because that's what's occurred. Mm -hmm. So... Um... It's interesting. So, so you said that um, prior to your breakthrough, you went through a phase of fear. There was like this terror or something, and then uh, then you kind of broke through and the terror dissipated. That's a, yeah. That's something I commonly hear. I mean, for instance, uh, Swami G, whom I uh, interviewed a couple of weeks ago, said the same thing happened to her. She was sitting on the banks of the Ganges in Rishikesh. And this, this, you know, abject terror overcame her, but then that dissipated, and and she broke through and had her awakening. Um, and uh, you know, others have said that too. Suzanne Siegel, who wrote a book called uh, Collision with the Infinite, had an experience where she kind of broke through, but she didn't know what it was, and she went through a period of terror for ten years until she realized that it was. Uh, you know, Jean Klein told her to stop looking in, stop looking back for a, a personal identity. And when she just kind of relaxed, she, then the terror went away. And there's mm -hmm. a there's a verse in the Upanishad which says, "Certainly all fear is born of duality." And it almost mm -hmm. it almost seems like when we're on the verge of transitioning from duality to unity, uh, there's this kind of, you know, it's like going th breaking the sound barrier. There's this sort of thing we break through where we break through that fear that has that is so so fundamental to dualistic existence and and then whew, we're through and it's gone yeah, it's, and it's gone it's kind of like you're hanging over a cliff but your feet are just two inches from the ground below you and yeah. you don't know and you have to let go right and then you're on the ground <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting um and it's and so i another thing i kind of gathered from what you said is that once the Maybe this happened before the breakthrough, but it sort of also sounded like it happened after. Maybe it's both. But um, once the breakthrough had happened, uh, then things started to kind of resolve and unravel much more quickly even. Is that correct? I mean, there was it's, it's almost like the, the processing power got amped up considerably. You went from a, from a, you know, what do they call these things, a Pentium 1 to a Pentium 4. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and, you know, you could sort of, Process and deal with and resolve stuff at even at even a faster pace. Was that your experience? Yeah, because you know, for like a simple analogy, when you have a laser beam and you spread it out too thin, mm -hmm. it has no power. Right. Then once you have a clarity, once it's less refracted in the mirrors of your consciousness, mm -hmm. it's much more you know pointed. Yeah. And and you know, like you said, it's just powerful, and now you can burn right through 
things effortlessly. It doesn't take all the analyzing anymore. And not that there was a lot of analyzing, but there is in the beginning because you even have to just find out I'm in a forest. You know, before that, you're just lost. Yeah. Then afterwards, it's like something comes up and this awareness just goes and it's gone. Hmm. You know, it could have been a 10,000 year story. Who knows? You know, it could have been this amazing path, but awareness recognizes its own wholeness. So it, it doesn't even understand that that's a path. Yeah. It's like that verse in the Gita again. The resolute intellect is one pointed. Yeah. It's not, it's not diverse. No, and then what's interesting, it can't be because there aren't any, there, there is only one point. Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, my wife is watching something in the other room and laughing, if maybe you can hear that. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, how did your life um, kind of reorient itself after this awakening? I mean, for one thing, obviously, you seem to m get out of the AIDS dilemma. That must have been a big reorientation. I mean, do you feel like you kind of came through this kind of vortex and, and on the other side of it, a whole new life opened up with new possibilities? You got, you put your, your disease behind you. And I mean, what impact did it have on your writing, on your music, on all that stuff? Yeah, everything. I mean, at every moment we're expressing what we realize ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. So I went from my, you know, when I was ill, I wrote about five or six albums and it was really all my pain, right. you know, my frustration worshiping my heroes. And then once I had the new album come to me after having this kind of clarity and this, this absol absolution of my personalities, my music became much more universal. Mm. It became this song we sing instead of I sing this song. Right. Huh. Yeah. Nice. Did people... Do you have a listenership? I mean, do you play in a band and did people, you know, did you still fit into that band or did you need to sort of like, you know, get with a new <laughs> new bunch of guys or something? <laughs> well, you know, this this disease and this experience naturally put me into a cocoon. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened is I kind of popped out of it mm -hmm. and there was an instant resonation everywhere, you know, other than, you know, all these India and all these crazy books and, you know, um, I am that I am. All, everything started just popping up in my 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 because it's you know it's resonance, right. if you will, in a very simplified way. It's resonant, and so but locally I didn't have musicians, I and I, I still don't really either. And I just uh, kind of sing when I'm spontaneously asked to sing. Mm -hmm. So right. yeah, but I mean it's, it was a huge shift because really after clarity, um, again, it's almost like you wake up. You know, you're 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 really believing your personality. Then you kind of wake up into a spiritual personality, and then you observe everything again, and you de detach from that because again, you can get lost in that story forever. You can be the savior of the world, the dream savior, you know, the the super god. Right. Thank God again. Thank awareness that that was another thing that it was like I didn't get stuck in Reiki. And I didn't get stuck in the spiritual things either. I still came out of that. Mm -hmm. And once I came out of that, that is when it became so simple. Mm. Then I started to understand what Zen was. Huh. You know, yeah. I understood how you could just be and be where you are and just then be, you know? Yeah. Huh. Because we think we come, we, you know, I thought I came here to do all this work again. Oh, my God, I can't wait to go do this work, do all these projects, do all this, save everybody. 
But I realized, no, I came here to wake up. <laughs> you came here to what? Wake up. Wake up, right. Now, but, you know, I mean, having woken up, do you feel a sense of kind of mission? Or, you know, I mean, obviously you're out, you're out there. I mean, you have a website. You have, you've written a book. I mean, those are ways of reaching out to people and teaching people in, in, your, in a way. Not like yeah. you're not hitting the lecture circuit, but you you know you're you know I guess the one you're, you're, you're sending a message out through your music and you know so you're not yeah. like sitting in a cave by any means. No, no, no. I don't. But I would say the one major difference is that there are expectations. Uh huh. You know, I can make an album, give it away, and I'm done with it. Right. And then I can walk outside, or I can go kayaking, or I can paint a picture. Right. Before it was like these had to bring me something to make me joyful. I see. Now it's just joy expressing itself in the moment yeah. and that's that's when you're free yeah so you would have had previously you might have had a uh, sort of an ambition you know okay i've done i've done this cd and i've got to sell x number of copies and then we're going to go on tour and i'm going to make this much money and so on and so forth now you're just doing it for the sheer joy of it or just because you're spontaneously motivated to create and, right. and then what what comes come what may after that yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to come through me anyways because I'm not doing any of this. It's just when I stop and think about it, I, I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's happening. Do you manage to support yourself financially with your music and your no. writing and stuff? I mean, how, how do you, what do you do about that, if I may ask? Um, well, it's provided through me uh, for me now through my lover, uh -huh. which, is, which is a part of life that I'm resonating with and traveling with. Enjoy. Okay. That's another amazing thing is that you know, I, I had read all the, you know, and uh, I mean, I was familiar. I didn't sit around and read spiritual books all the time, but I was familiar, you know, and I understood. And so, I, like I said, when I started to really wake up, it's like that spiritual beliefs came in. You can't have a family. you got to be alone, blah, 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 you know. But, but you can get through that. I mean, you can have any experience you want, your awareness. And so yeah. I, it was amazing because I used to judge my lover. Right. Because he wasn't being spiritual like me. wasn't doing yoga. We weren't in India. And then when I started to have my own clarity and get over my attachments to all that, mm -hmm. this being, this lover, began to shine brighter than my eyes could see. Mm. You know, and that's when you realize that through the veil, everything is distorted. You're never going to see the garden through ten things of broken glass. But the minute you get rid of them, oh, you know, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what's happening now is we have this relationship to where he's providing at this point because I used to. Right. And. And we're happy with it. Good. If we stop and think about it, and we measure it, and we say you should or I should, we're gonna we're gonna suffer and go in some deep drama. Yeah. But we don't either have we don't seem to have that ability right now. We're just love being loved. How long have you been together? Fifteen years next month. Wow, that's a long time. We have gone through it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, not all spiritual teachers say you have to go to India and sit in a cave and give up. No, no, I just believe that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, and some of them do say that, obviously, but but some of them don't, you know. So yeah, yeah, right. Huh. It's all different expressions of divinity. You know? So you may have said this, but um, what year was it that you had this spiritual awakening? Three years ago, or no? I would say it began the end of two thousand four. Okay, so about six years and. And then the the AIDS kind of lingered for a while, but then you you kind of came out of it and yeah. Yeah, I understood the pneumonia as being an incredible purge. Right. And it utilized my lungs, mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah. That's as I went into it. Huh. I was laughing, you know. I didn't care.
It's just a body. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bodies, it's, you know. Can't live with them, can't live without them. <laughs> um, do you still, and what seems to be happening now? Are you just sort of resting in the wholeness and, and life uh, just kind of floats along from day to day? Or do you, do you feel like, you st I mean, previously at least, the way you described it, there seemed to be this rocket ship ride of, of breakthroughs and realizations and awakenings yeah. and so on. Has that all kind of simmered down, or do you still feel like there's a, a, a you know sense of progress going on, perhaps a more peaceful one? Um, well, no, the rocket ship ended. I mean, that, that seemed to be a, a very intense. You know, maybe it was. I don't think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, to be honest, I just get up, I go to my day job, I, you know, I work at a library part-time. Uh -huh. um, everything, I'm so grateful I can be there with everybody and, you know, uh, help them and see them beyond who they think they are. And, <laughs> you know, just kind of walk through the world and just observe it. It's amazing. Yeah. When you do interact with people, let's say in the library, um, yeah. you know, I, I can relate to the, the point you're making about seeing people as being more than they think they are. Uh, in fact, the, the first time I ever took LSD back in 1967, around the time you were busy getting born, um, I, uh, that, that morning we'd been, we were up all night, and then in the morning we went into a donut shop, and um, I uh, looked at the women serving the donuts, and I just kind of was amazed at what I saw in terms of you know, how much more they were than, they, than I than they appeared to think they were, you know. Yeah. And it was just this like realization that that happened. Um, you know, now ordinarily I don't walk around seeing that all the time now, but um, but right. but maybe you do. I mean, you, you you're in a library and you're dealing with people coming up to the counter, and and what do you see when you when you deal with so-called ordinary people? I just see one happening, you know, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I mean, if you talk about the physical eyes, you know, there are some things that open up. You know, you do see more presence and things like that. But then that's just the personality that's seeing that. Uh -huh. Awareness is, you know. The, the beauty is, is that when your personalities in your mind aren't trying to have all these communications and arguments with everything that comes up to them, mm -hmm. then it's just an open, clear communication in the present moment. Mm. And that is, that is how I experience people. You know, if people walk up to me, it's not like there's any separation. It's more of there's a gradient. You know, it's like you can experience them in their drama, and then you can experience them more than that. Mm -hmm. So, but as if the 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 person having the drama is like the tip of the iceberg, and then there's a much deep, right. deeper thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's a relative way to look at it. But I mean, that is, uh, it is kind of that holistic perspective for me. You know, it's like I can understand immediately kind of what their drama is. I'm never going to say I understand their heart. I can only understand what they're conveying to me and the feelings I get. But because I don't get stuck in that, I don't react, I get a lot deep. We both get a lot deeper into each other. Hmm. And then that's when you would say healing occurs, resonance occurs, hmm. you know. So earlier in our talk, you uh, said that when you were a child, you didn't really have any kind of shell or, or filter, you know, and you were just experiencing everything raw. And your, yeah. mother, your mother told you that you better build a shell or that you're not going to make it in this world. Um, do you sort of feel like you've come full circle now and, um, you know, as a result of this awakening, um, re regain the ability to function without a, a shell? You're, you're open, but at the same time, you are not um, vulnerable as you once were? 
Yeah, because there's nothing to be wounded by. You know, the only time I think I'm going to be wounded is when I believe I'm real. <laughs> you know, yeah. other than that, it's just a neutral happening that is depends on what is being overlain on top of it, hmm. or else it's just a beautiful one that is occurring. Hmm. And I just, you know, that's how it is to me. You know, that when you talked about fear, I was immobilized by fear because everything was you know i was constantly going to be told i was going to be i was going to die my lovers and my best friends were all dying Every, everybody was dying i was worried about chemical trails i was worried about everything oh my gosh it was incredible how fear was my existence you mean but chemical I, trails in the sky those jet, yeah those jet, everything yeah, oh, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, everything was justifying my fear right like my spirituality was justifying my fear because it wasn't the heaven it wasn't heaven yet mm -hmm. you know well, we need to make it heaven but then one day I realized, well, if I don't like the wallpaper here, am I going to like it in heaven? You know, <laughs> I'm never going to like it. I'm always going to find something wrong. Yeah. And that is when, you know, a lot of, again, that was through the rocket ride. And then at one moment, peace doesn't, isn't created. You realize it. Right. You, know, you can't create, you know, you can't create it. You can only become it. You can only realize you've always been it. Right. And that's the peace. I just realized one day if we all stop arguing about our beliefs, mm -hmm. Peace would exist. Peace would be. Yeah, that's it. We're just burning out. We're burning out these candles. We're burning out these flames and spraying gasoline on each other and blow torches and mm -hmm. lighting new candles. But until you know you, people stop doing that, they're not going to realize it. But then again, who cares? Yeah. What and and on the other hand, it's it, it is easier said than done. I mean, you can't necessarily just walk into the Middle East and tell the Arabs and Israelis to just stop arguing or stop. You know, they're doing what they're doing. Um, it's happening. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, but on the other hand, um, you know, some people like to believe and there seems to be some evidence of the, f the idea that <clears throat> if the sort of ambient level of consciousness in the world rises enough, then, you know, these conflicts, which seem to be, uh, you know, intractable on, on their own level, will somehow miraculously begin to dissolve, just like, you know, the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union broke up. No one could have foreseen those things, but they just sort of happened when when enough of a shift in consciousness had taken place. Yeah, when the one awakens, it's done. Mm -hmm. You know, because like there's always going to be something perceived by the mind personality that is wrong. Mm. But if you let the ocean be, I mean, imagine if you went and you said, "Oh, this wave shouldn't hit this one. Oh, that's horrible. This time, this wave shouldn't come here." Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, couldn't even walk out of your backyard if you're worried about the lengths of grass, you know? It's like that that drives you crazy. Yeah. It's just, Am I stepping on little bugs or whatever? Yeah, the multiplicity teaches you to let it be. Mm -hmm. And then that's the that's what kills the complexity. And that's what that's what petrifies the ego because it needs stories and complexities to exist. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. In fact that's I think what very often motivates uh, people's conflicts with one another is it it reinforces the ego you know mm -hmm. if i'm at war with you then i'm intact and if yeah. i and if i'm not then whoa what's happening to me here i i seem to be uh, <laughs> yeah know, i seem to be dissipating yeah. or dissolving like exactly the switch of the west yeah when your center is external you have to utilize the external as your food huh that's a brilliant phrase when your center is external you have to use the external as your food yeah interesting well put, huh? Mm. Um, what was I gonna say? Anyway, 
Say something. <laughs> I lost that thought that I was going to ask you. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just it can be so simple, and it's not to be. We don't need to be afraid of simplicity, mm -hmm. because that's our nature. Right. Really, it, it, we think we know what our nature is, but only those thoughts are just uh, reflections yeah. of our true nature. It seems to be easier for some people to realize this than others, but and I used to be rather uh, skeptical that this was this kind of talk would be of practical value to anyone, because I sort of felt like you know the average person really needs a, some kind of concrete, definite technique, practice, something or other. Uh, but you know, look at it these days. I mean, the success of people like Eckhart Tolle, who basically just sits there on the stage and talks for a couple of hours and puts everybody into a state of simple awareness. You know, yeah. I, I think you know. I don't know whether people have always had this capacity or whether it's becoming more commonplace. But uh, you know, someone like him wouldn't be as popular as he is if he didn't have an effect on people. And it seems that you know, millions of people are are amenable to being affected now in this way. I agree. And um, he wouldn't have an audience, you know, unless he was here, you know. Him. He wouldn't be here unless there was an audience for him. I mean, that's how it's working because it's not, he's not a piece. He's just a part of the flower. Right. You know, is this, as you said, everything grows. Nothing in nature is stagnant. So anything within the external is going to grow. And this includes groups of consciousness, groups of human cells, whatever, you know, human beings, this planet, to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, wisdom is on the Internet now. Yeah, it is. Huh? It's not like 2,000 years ago when you had to be in a small group that was isolated and deep in, dis in mystery schools. Right. So now wisdom is here, and you're right. It is awakening at an exponential rate because that's what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's available. It can find itself so much quicker and through so much less dogma and, and less veils because apparently that's what's happening. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. It's almost as if the Internet is like the the world's nervous system or something and it's it's enabling communication to take place that yeah. you know we couldn't imagine us you know i mean a couple hundred years ago it would have taken days to get from iowa to detroit and yeah. you know having gotten there <clears throat> it'd be just you and i having a conversation <clears throat> nobody else be aware of it and you know right. as it is now we'll have this conversation and and you know people all over the world i mean i look at my google analytics and there are people in russia and portugal and japan and australia right. and, you know all over the place listening to these things yeah i agree i mean i have facebook friends that that we resonate at a very very high level of understanding you yeah. know at, at that undeniable experiential presence mm -hmm. you know it's it's happening you know that's uh it's incredible. Yeah, it's cool. And you know, if, and if you sort of think of, I'm just hypothesizing here, but if you sort of think of, you know, the evolutionary impulse as the kind of fundamental motivating force of the universe, you know, and uh, you know, then something, the development of modern communications such as the internet, are could be seen as an expression of that to enable it to kind of fulfill its purpose. Um, you know, it's it's like it need it needed to grow that sort of appendage, that sort of capability, in order to sort of bring about the kind of transformation that many people feel the world is undergoing. 
Yeah, or it's just happening. Oh, it's just happening. <laughs> I, I get complicated, but <laughs> well, I mean, there's no should or shouldn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's the personality again, basing it on its past experiences karmically. Hmm. It's just happening. You know, like uh, today, I was uh, my status was, you know, what if today isn't just Tuesday? What if it's not just a day in September? What if it's the most advanced state of evolution now occurring? You know, how, how would your gratitude be? Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 like you said. Um, no matter what you see with your mind, it's more. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing is the internet and thinking it's called the internet and thinking it's this communication. It's still more. Yeah. And it's still happening. There's this line from the Incredible String Band: "Whatever you think, it's more than that." Yeah. It's yes. <laughs> True. I don't know if you remember the Incredible String Band, but they were great. Um, no, I've heard of them. Yeah, they were a British group back in the '60s. Um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> what haven't we covered? I mean, it's, you have a very simple story, and it's beautiful. And uh, you know, I, I sort of feel like, on the one hand, I could probe you to elaborate on this experience you had and that experience you have, you've had. But on the other hand, it's sort of like you're, you're conveying in a very simple way, the or a very beautiful way, the simplicity of your life and of of your experience and it almost seems a little bit um crude to ask you to embellish that with you know specific experiences uh, there's this kind of naturalness that you seem to be enjoying that I, I really appreciate yeah i agree this is our resonance you know i if it's not comfortable to go deep into some recesses we don't need to to satisfy anything mm -hmm. again because this is just one here you know and you know, right now, I've created you by asking you certain questions. You've created me from asking certain questions, you know, but there's really just one. Hmm. And we have that resonance. That's all that matters. Huh. That's another line from the Incredible String Band. Light that is one, though, though the lamps be many. Yeah, right. Uh, that's my song. The one, one is the many. That's my one, a new song on my album. Oh, cool. The seed, to the tree, to the branch, to the sky, to the rain, to the skin, to the hand, to the shovel, mm -hmm. back to the grave, and back to the seed. The one is the many, the many is the one. Hmm. Do you acknowledge the uh, the existence of levels of awareness, do you, or do you feel like that's just sort of a, a concept, that there really is only one awareness, and it's for only for convenience sake that we might think of it as having levels? Yeah, I don't even think about levels. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. Duality, all those things. Just To me, it's one flowing experience. Mm -hmm. Everything else is like a, you know, it's all it's all truth. It's happening, but everything else is kind of, uh, you know, the branches we talked about before. And they're great, and you can go off in them, but mm. what's happening right now in this exact moment, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I want to imagine all these levels and all these dimensions, it's the act of imagining it that creates them. Huh. Else I'm here. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Thing. Let's probe that for just a second. I mean, right now, for instance, um, there are radio waves going through our bodies. Yeah. Uh, and people maybe in the next house over are listening to the radio by virtue of those radio waves that are going through our bodies. Um, now, we're not aware of them, and mm -hmm. their existence does not depend, depend upon our being aware of them. Um, right. So, 
it's not like we have created them by our awareness, but uh, you know, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is there may be all sorts of realities which we're not aware of, which exist without depending upon our being aware of them. Right. Let's, let's, let's say there are angels. Let's say the angels inhabit the world on a subtle level that most people can't see. Um, okay. And if someone acquires the ability to see the angel, uh, to see angels, it's not necessarily that that person created them. It's just that they kind of tuned into them. I mean, when when microscopes were first developed, and we we learned we started looking at the microscopic world and seeing all these little paramecium's and things like that. They didn't suddenly come into existence because we had a microscope. They they'd been there all along. We just became aware of them for the first time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Where you look, you'll find. Ah. Uh-huh. But that's not uh, like you said. It's it doesn't have to be your awareness now for your wholeness. You know, it's just where you look, you'll discover more. And it's almost like you're plugging your consciousness into a program. Mm-hmm. And it's like the computer. When you have programs on your computer, when they're not running, they're not in your reality. They exist potentially, and then when you plug into them and it becomes a part of your reality, then that's your experience. And so that is where uh, I—that's how I experience things. You know, if, if angels suddenly showed up, uh, you, you know, I mean, because with clarity you do see more. There's a lot more occurring, but you can't go and tell the ego to look for these things because that's just another attachment. Right. Because, you know, again. That's just food for the ego. If you're meant to experience them, then you will experience them. Exactly. Right. And so that's your reality. But that's this is where if you start looking for things, your actual looking is going to affect how you experience it. Uh-huh. Now, if it's just your nature and you're walking down the street and an angel pops up next to you, that's nature occurring. And you right. talk and experience and then they, whatever else happens. But if it doesn't happen, you don't want to suffer because of that. Right. So in other words, you're content and complete the way you are. And whatever happens, you know, angels might start appearing tomorrow, and and that'll be fine. You'll still yeah. you'll still be content and complete. But if they don't, yeah, if they don't, you'll be no no worse off for. <laughs> for yeah, because we're awareness. Yeah, angel would be a form of light, which is a form. Sure. You know, there's a friend of mine who likes to use the phrase that we're all sense organs. <clears throat> excuse me, that we're all sense organs of the internet of the of the infinite sense organs of the infinite and and if you think of it that way you know think of the whole universe i mean i start my day by looking at the latest nasa picture of the day which is usually like a bunch of galaxies or something like that and think of you know consider the vastness of the universe and here we are you know we we're in in a in our true sense we're vaster than that but in terms of our being a human being with eyes and a nose and ears and so on we're just kind of like a little tiny perceptual pinpoint who can kind of poke around at this that and the other thing and explore uh, yeah. but you know if but our fulfillment is not contingent upon what we uh, that upon that exploration it sort of rests in something much more vast than that yes yeah you can there's so many ways that the mind tries to figure it out and look at it you know and we could so many conceptual ideas you know I went through so many of those and I get attached to one for a little while, but then again, awareness would just burn it away because because yeah. I would something would start to move a little bit out into the center of that concept, and you know, and then it's but again, it's like your natural awareness and presence just brings you right back. Mm. 
It's almost it's, like you were trying to find yourself a little cozy cubbyhole you could you could hide in, you know, with with this concept or that concept. But awareness kept saying, "Nope, I don't fit into that." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, truly, and, and um, because it's fun, you know, we can have fun and think about these things, and we're, we're, this is a gift, man. This is this is Eden, truly. You know, once you get out of the way. Once you stop judging everything, you realize how amazing it is. Then you just want to go kayak, you know? You just want to mm -hmm. enjoy and be for people. So we don't want to get into this such a scholastic mode, you know? Yeah. We, we just want to let it unfold. And I mean, for me, in my, from my experience as the one of the many, it's, it, as you said, it's very simple. It's just what has happened. It's multidimensional. Mm -hmm. The center is in the center of everybody. And so it's the same awareness when we're when we're still and we don't think right now together, we're gone. It's only awareness. Mm. It's just as this light shines through the certain signature of your mind, mm -hmm. it creates this experience, and then that's all that's happening, and we're just reflecting everywhere. Mm. We're gonna get past the mind trying to figure it out. And that's yeah. fun. That's well put. No, so you described it nicely. I, I watched yeah. a documentary about the Buddha a couple of months ago, and you know. He obviously was a very ardent seeker and mm -hmm. was just determined to, you know, reach enlightenment and get off the wheel of samskara, you know, no more births and deaths and the whole thing. And, yeah. you know, but then towards the end of his life, when he was, you know, nearing his death, he, you know, he, there was a poignancy. There was a sort of a, you know, a feeling that he would he would really like to stick around a whole lot longer because life was so much fun. It was so enjoyable, yeah. so yeah. enjoyable to him. Yeah. And uh, I sort of feel like I've gone through a transition like that myself. You know, there were in my earlier days, I used to sort of feel like, oh man, you know, life is it really is uh, difficult, and and it would be so nice to just be liberated and not have to live it anymore. And now I feel like, hey, you know, if 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 God wants me to just live life after life after life, that's cool because this it's really so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm the same way. I don't really have any. Agenda. When you, yeah, when you can just let it be. I mean, it's amazing because then even that you don't even have to make really decisions like you thought you used to have. You know, you just have to let it flow. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Things kind of get decided for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was this uh, phrase that Marshim Hesyogi always used to use: it was "Take it easy, take it as it comes." Yeah, it, it, and again, that's what the mind hates: those simple things. You know, those. Um, I remember I had read um, the art of Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Oh yeah, I, great book. I was really young, probably eighth grade or something. Yeah, I love that. They were talking about. <laughs> you go back and look at it after you've had clarity. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and it's the same with like you know, I am that or something. It's like before you look at that book and it's cryptic. And then right. I remember I opened up that one talks with Maharshi, and I, after I had a clarity, and I was just like. This is it. <laughs> yeah, so that's what he's talking about. But I never could have understood it before I was had the eyes to see. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a common phrase too. I mean, Jesus always used to say that those who have the eyes to see or the ears to hear, you know, let him yeah. let them hear or let them see. Yeah, yeah, it's true because senses are realization. I don't have to think to make myself be able to see something. That's being taken care of. I don't have to think to hear. That's being care of. So instead of going into your mind stories, when you really listen, you really feel, you really hear, mm -hmm. that is the experience, mm. your direct experience. You know, it's like the tree is out there, 
and it's an experience. And in the moment I overlay my belief on a tree or I put my memories on the tree, the tree's gone. You know, but if I just go up and hug a tree, smell a tree, look closely at a tree, drink in the tree, that's realization. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, something the Sargadatta once said, which was that, uh, he said, you know, for, for, you know, we all digest automatically, we breathe automatically, our heart beats automatically. Uh, he said, for me, my behavior is just as automatic as those things. You know, mm. my, my speech, my thinking, my behavior. You know, you, you feel like you're doing things and making these decisions. For me, it's as automatic as digestion. Yeah, right, because you don't have to think about it. You're just, you're in the body of the one interacting with, in the one. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, I'm not perfect, so I can't say everything is like that, you know. But, I mean, there's definitely, when your center goes back into yourself, there's a lot more coming from you than your interpretations of the external. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you, do you find that um, occasionally this uh, smoothness, this realization gets perturbed by anything and kind of the boat rocks a little bit and then it has to kind of steady out again? Waves come and waves go. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it depends on how much I cling to them that creates my experience. I don't, seeing as you need a sense of duality to forget mm -hmm. and there isn't duality, in the center of your being, mm -hmm. I don't think it's possible to forget. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe you could probably be, maybe become impassioned by a wave. But personally, for me, I do experience waves, mm -hmm. and they tend, you know, they are few and far between at this moment. Right. But when they come through again, I just remind myself that it's a wave. So you, then, you never went through an I got it, I lost it kind of a phase. It just once that realization had happened, you were good. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Once I, once I shifted you know, because it's it's very it's you know, if you draw a circle on the ground and you put a point in the middle, every line going out is gonna be equidistant. Mm -hmm. And that's your perspective. If you put the circle off a little bit, every line is different. Right. And that's your perspective. So if you shift to that center, every line is now equidistant. Mm -hmm. That's a good metaphor. <laughs> good yeah alrighty well is there anything that uh, you know you, we, we haven't covered that you, you feel you'd like to cover that uh, you know haven't thought to ask mm. <laughs> <laughs> like a C um, no <laughs> no yeah. I, I don't to be honest I don't think about this very much it's just you know it's kind of like a, the the burner was turned off theoretically Kettle's still whistling, but mm -hmm. it seems to be a natural calming, you know, and less just a quieting, you know. It's just again, it's like all. You those... mean even greater quieting seems to be taking place? More and more quieting, or just yeah, huh? Yeah, a simplicity, I would say. So simplicity yeah. and and perhaps silence are, yeah. are getting kind of more. Perfect. Yeah, because you need the stories to create personality. Yeah, to create conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, else there's stillness. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at before in terms of do you sense a, uh, a kind of a progress taking place? I, pro maybe progress isn't such a good word, but, you know, there's, there's a deepening, you know. And um, I'm, hear I'm hearing that more from other people, too, who, you know, maybe initially after their awakening thought, well, this is it, you know. It, yeah. It's like that, that beer ad where the guys are sitting out in the boat fishing. It, it doesn't get any better than this. Um, yeah. You know, but then yeah. after maybe 10, 20 years, they're saying, well, you know, as a matter of fact, 
there's a, a re something really profound has been taking place over the last 10, 20 years. There's been a, a, a you know, the silence has gotten more all-encompassing or deeper yeah. or some such thing. Sure. I'm sure not going to say yes or no. You know, again, I'm just living in my moment. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's more of a dissolution. Oh. You know, it's more of an un unraveling so, of all what, of what I thought reality and God was. Huh. And deep, deep, you know, within us, it's a, you know, if you have some type of resonation and that belief is going to come across as a wave, it's going to make your string sound like a violin. And then it's, you just have to let it be, and then it's gone. And you realize that it's always been occurring. It's just been our attachments that's elongated that experience of the wave. Yeah. So you still feel like there's a dissolution process taking place, an unraveling process taking place. Things come in, get dissolved, and then you're, and then another one comes in, gets dissolved periodically. Ideas, yeah. concepts, experiences, various things like that. Yes, yeah. and they all tend to be quote-unquote deep spiritual um, beliefs, huh. concepts, you know. Because again, I can be sitting here aware. I mean, I'm always aware. That's, that has not left, yeah. you know, because you know it can't. You're not looking out. Right. Again, I mean, it's somebody walks by naked, you're going to, you know, it's just like it catches you because that's the human, that's the personality. Right. And it's it, the difference is is like oh my god I gotta go find you I gotta call you I gotta do you right or it's like they're in a body mm -hmm. you know <laughs> that's what happens being a human being the senses follow these things pick them off sure I mean if you're hungry you want a sandwich or something if the yeah. ho house is on fire you're gonna run out <laughs> yeah it's you know you, you if you want to just walk across the street and eat an apple in the park like would the guru do this? Would Jesus do this? Is, <laughs> is it right? And then you're immobilized and you starve to death spiritually, quote unquote. Yeah. But just walk over and eat the flipping apple. Right. And do the karma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just that, that that's the difference. It's like we really are simple. It's so simple you can't see it. That's why you can't you have to be it. Yeah. So in, in other words, your your life is not I'm speaking, your life is not being motivated by concepts. It's it's just sort of being lived in a simple way. That's all you're saying. Yeah, responding to the wind that's happening now. Yeah, and if you find yourself kind of getting tugged around by a concept, perhaps, you know, that you had, that you might have been unaware of before, you, you're, you, you're more acutely aware of that now, and, and it, it, it sort of, you see through it. It, it, it unravels, and then that one can no longer tug you around right because once you absolve that that energy within yourself that was calling that out we're like an antenna in a rudimentary way to say it but once you change your frequency you know you go to a more holistic frequency it's you're not going to experience that just like you know a certain satellite dish is is uh tuned to a certain frequency right. and that's where it experiences so once you change it you're not going to experience it yeah to our conversation about angels or not angels mm-hmm Sure. Good. All right. Yeah. Well, I think we could sort of go on like this, spinning this this concept around and around. But I I, sure. I think we've done justice to it. And, yeah, I've enjoyed myself. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, 
I will. Uh, you never know where people are hearing these things because they're they're in several different places and people can forward them around. But uh, yeah. you know, there's batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, where all these things are archived. And and then there's a YouTube channel. I put them all there. I put them on Facebook, and so I'll be uploading these videos to Facebook. But I'll tag you in them so they'll show up on your Facebook page in the video section. People, you know, your Facebook friends can watch them there if they want to. Lovely. And. Uh, We'll also be, you'll send me some information. We'll link to your, your website, your, your YouTube videos, and so on. And so people can explore the world of Richard Shooping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. So um, you, you've been listening to or watching Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest, again, has been... Richard Shooping. Thank you. You're welcome.